Dan, you have the grace of a swan, the wisdom of an owl, and the eye of an eagle. You're for the birds. The wisdom of an owl? I don't give a hoot. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I'm not sure if those were insults or compliments. They were a little bit of both. I am Dan, and with me as always is my rather foul, that's F-O-W-L co-host. She's a fine feathered fink, but we love her anyway. It's Faith, ladies and gentlemen. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. We have a good one tonight, don't we, Faith? We sure do. Tonight's film is based on a story by Daphne du Maurier that was first published in the 1952 collection The Apple Tree. Some have said that du Maurier's story reflects the British experience during the Second World War, especially the citizens' anxieties over the failure of the government to protect them from aggressive interlopers. The director of tonight's film took the basic premise of that story and told screenwriter Evan Hunter to develop new characters and elaborate the plot. The result was a film slightly unappreciated in its time that has grown in esteem and was even selected for preservation in the National Film Registry in 2016 for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Faith, what is tonight's film? Tonight, we are talking about legendary director Alfred Hitchcock's film, The Birds, starring Tippi Hedren, Rod Taylor, Jessica Tandy, Suzanne Plachette, and Veronica Cartwright. Strange things are happening in Bodega Bay. You could say that the town has gone to the birds. Well played. You might be the one with the wisdom of an owl. The Birds was Hitchcock's follow-up to his legendary 1960 masterpiece in proto-slasher film Psycho. Tippi Hedren stars as socialite Melanie Daniels, who follows San Francisco lawyer Mitch Brenner, played by the Time Machine star Rod Taylor, to his mother Lydia's home in Bodega Bay. While there, a series of unexplained bird attacks begin happening without rhyme, reason, or provocation. Academy Award winner Jessica Tandy co-stars as Mitch's widowed mother Lydia, and Veronica Cartwright, a face familiar to horror audiences for her role as Lambert in 1979's Alien, co-stars as Mitch's sister Alice. Rounding out the cast is Suzanne Plachette as Annie Hayworth, the Bodega Bay school teacher and Mitch's ex-girlfriend. The Birds was released on March 28, 1963 to mixed reviews. The film features no music and a deliberately slow pace that aids in the building of tension. Viewers who watch the movie at face value may walk away disappointed as the film contains deep commentaries on love and female power. There's a lot going on under the surface of the movie and we will try to get to some of it tonight to hopefully help you better appreciate it. Talking about movies is fun. It's fun to talk about movies with a friend. We're glad all of you are here with us tonight, be you a spook, a specter, or a murdering some bitch and crow. Hitchcock's filmography is pretty amazing, and this is one of his signature films. Hopefully we'll have a little fun tonight getting into it because this is a fun movie. Pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and get ready to stay inside because the birds are outside waiting for you. I am Dan. And I am Faith. You're listening to The Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. We are so glad you're here. We'll see you on the other side. It's 12.01, the witching hour. You're listening to WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. You are cleared for departure. Your destination, the late night fright. Commencing transmission in five, four, three, two, one.
Good evening. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Should it maybe be good evening? <laughs> yes. Should maybe be good evening, considering the director we're talking about mm-hmm. tonight. So let's get into it. Lots to get into with this movie. Strange things are happening in the town of Bodega Bay. And Melanie Griffith's mom might just be the cause of it all. Right, Faith? Yes. Is she still around Melanie? I mean, Tippy's still alive. Mm-hmm. Tippy just made 91, I mm-hmm. believe. So she's of the Clint Eastwood generation. Is yeah. Melanie still around? I just haven't seen her in a while. No, I haven't seen her. I haven't seen her around much. You know, her daughter, I don't think looks anything like her. I'm very confused. Uh, I, I actually have a thought on this. Uh, I think that Melanie has had so much facial work done that you forget what well, she really possibly. looks like. Because I look at them next to each other and I'm like, what da- is happening? Dakota actually does kind of favor Don Johnson quite a bit. Yeah. But uh, Melanie's had so much work done that it's amazing. <laughs> like she looks nothing like she did. True. Uh, years and years ago. <laughs> Speaking of Don Johnson, I read he's bringing Nash Bridges back to TV. Remember his show, Nash Bridges? I did not see it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, and you know who he's bringing with him? Who? Cheech. <laughs> Cheech. <laughs> if you have never seen Norm MacDonald uh, doing David Letterman on Saturday Night Live where he talks about Chong, you really owe that to yourself. <laughs> yeah, you do. Because <laughs> he, he talks about Nash Bridges. Yeah, bring Chong. Yeah. So before we get too far into it, we mentioned Bodega Bay. That is where the Creature Features show takes place. Uh, that is hosted by Vincent Van Dahl, Tangella, and Livingston. That is available. You can get that app on the Roku if you have one of those. You can watch it online on YouTube. That is a wonderful, wonderful show. We uh, watched Horror at Party Beach. That was the 50th anniversary episode of Bob Wilkins' first show. It was the first movie he showed. The legendary Bob Wilkins, uh, who was was host of that, that was the first movie he showed on that first show. And that movie was absolutely terrible. (laughs) And Faith and I had such a fun time watching that movie. How bad was that movie? It was so bad, but that's what was so great. And how much did you love that movie? Oh, I loved it. (laughs) I would not trade that experience for anything. Faith and I. I had such a good time. We made like a, it, the, the juxtaposition, we made like a really nice dinner. <laughs> like we had, a, we made like these Mexican pizzas. Uh-huh. And then we watched this just awful <laughs> movie and it was perfect. It was like the perfect evening. And uh, if you're not watching Creature Features, you you really need to get on that. That show is so much fun. And if you're able to check out any of the original Bob Wilkins shows. Unfortunately, it's hard to find full shows. If you check out OSI 74, they have some of uh, the original Bob broadcasts on there. They are very much worth it. What do you think about the the Bob Wilkins stuff? Because oh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a oh, it's a yeah. bygone era, mm-hmm. and man, it's 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 fun to watch. So, speaking of fun to watch, what did you think of the birds? It is a lot of fun to watch, and it's very suspenseful to watch and. I love every single minute of this movie, <laughs> even if you have no idea what's really happening. You know, you're not really, you don't get a lot of answers, I feel like, in this movie. You're very... Very progressive in that respect, isn't it? Right. You're very you're, progressive. You're left very, you're left wondering what, what what's going on. They yeah. just drive off and you're kind of yeah. left there thin in the movie. But, right. But you love every minute of it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love this movie. And it had been a while since I'd seen it. It was a lot of fun coming into this. And I've said this to friends before. If you've listened to the show, I'm a musician. I I play regularly in in several bands and do fill-in work. I'm a bass player. And I've been doing this for close to 30 years now. That that trips me out. I was thinking about that today. Close (laughs) to 30 years. You want to be on a course where you're getting better and more mature with your art. Mm -hmm. And... I say mature ears. So it's always fun to go back and listen to things you haven't heard in a while that maybe you really kind of got off to when you were younger and you haven't heard. And then you go back and you listen with mature ears and you're like, oh, this really is good. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of those moments where it had been a while since I'd seen the birds and I watched it and I went, oh, this really is that good. This is that <laughs> yes. good. And it's two movies in one, mm-hmm. which 
which is really a lot of fun for me. I was having a lot of fun watching it with the two movies. Me too. And the two movies are, there's the meet cute, there's the will they, want they romantic movie that goes on for about an hour, and then the second half is when the birds start their conquest for global dominance. <laughs> they're after us, people. If we keep putting up those 5G towers, they're, gonna, <laughs> they're coming for us, okay? Have you seen, Not I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but have you seen the videos of the birds, like because we've been messing so much with the EMF, the electromagnetic field of the earth, that these birds will fall to the ground because they can't, you know, mm-hmm. directionally locate. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. The echolocution is off. Mm-hmm. I think I just used that word correctly. <laughs> I don't know if I pronounced it correctly, but I used it correctly. So anyway, it's not to go there, but this is two movies in one. And I'm of the opinion if you watch this at face value, you will indeed be highly disappointed. Even though the bird attack scenes in the second half are absolutely terrifying, because if you're not looking deeper, you're going to be feeling like there's no resolution at all to the story. But guess what, Faith? There is one. (laughs) There is resolution. The characters of Mitch and Melanie meet cute in a pet shop where he is buying lovebirds for his sister, Kathy. By the way, I called her (laughs) Alice in the introduction. I'm very sorry about that. He has a bit of fun with her. We learn that she's a socialite who may have too much time on her hands and likes to play pranks. Her annex have been in the papers. And the symbolism of the movie starts here. We see the cages. We see birds. We know what the movie is about right from the beginning. They even say, and I did a little rewatch on the first half of this after I, like, I finished and went right back into the movie. They even say in the beginning that she broke a window. Mm-hmm. And the birds are going to be doing a lot of that later. <laughs> So here's here's the deal, and here's the trick with watching Hitchcock. I am in no way a scholar on Hitchcock. I'm someone who enjoys his work very much. Uh, I have read quite a bit on him and have done some deep dives on Hitchcock, so I do feel like I can say this with, with a lot of certainty. Mm-hmm. He does not care about dialogue. He does not care. He's a visual filmmaker, and the story here is told completely through the visuals. This is not something like Dragnet. Dragnet... <laughs> Dragnet, the classic 1950s uh, radio show and television uh, show from uh, Jack Webb, was a show that relies on the dialogue. And, and it's wonderful dialogue, too. I love Jack Webb and, and Dragnet. <laughs> but Dragnet is not Alfred Hitchcock. So this is a movie that is, that is told. You could watch it muted, and you get everything you need to get. Yeah. Uh, for a kind of more modern example of that, George Lucas's, especially the uh, the prequel trilogy he did from 1999 through 2005 of the Star Wars movies are visual films. You can watch those muted and you can see what's happening, you know, just through the visuals, the symbolism and everything is, is there. So, so, so the key to Hitchcock is the visuals dialogue doesn't matter. That's, 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 that's surface stuff. No, no, no. We, it's always, it's always deeper and it's always there for a reason with him. He's, he's one of the best, filmmakers mm-hmm. to ever work oh, yes. in the medium. So we have our two leads here. We have Rod Taylor. I love the fact that we have a guy named Rod in the movie. <laughs> Rod. <laughs> Rod Taylor was in the time machine. Rod Taylor passed away, but before he passed away, he made an appearance as Winston Churchill in Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. He has a very strong screen presence. He was Australian, and I had no idea that he was when I was watching this movie. I didn't either. What did you think of uh, Rod Taylor as Mitch here? Because if he's not working, the rest of this isn't working. And you have to have this very strong male lead in the Mm -hmm. center of this because, well, the movie title is even working on two levels here. The Birds is British slang, if you're in Britain, I'm sorry, you know this already, is British slang for, for girl, woman, female. He's really our only guy in this movie. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of uh, Rod? <laughs> Rod. Rod. <laughs> you think Rod knows Cheech? <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. No, uh, yeah, you, you, you were, you hit the, I can't even talk, you nailed it with strong screen presence. He really... Just kind of owns the screen, I feel like, when he's on it. And yeah, like you said, he if he didn't work, then this movie wouldn't work necessarily, you know? And yeah. I really like him. I didn't know he was Australian either. Uh, yeah, I learned cool. that doing the, doing the research for it. And a lot of people wonder why he wasn't a bigger star than he was. But he is in The Time Machine, which is a wonderful movie. And he's in this. And so, I mean, there's a wonderful legacy there. Yeah. 
But I I really enjoyed watching his performance. It was very mm-hmm. effortless. You know, yeah. it wasn't a lot of mannered uh, uh, acting going on. He right. was he was very comfortable on screen. One thing I noticed too, he was very comfortable with all the women around him on screen, mm-hmm. and that was really and it didn't really feel great. like overly macho or anything. You Not know, at like, all. Very kind of whole performance. Yeah. Now, what's really interesting is this character. I have some character notes here. He's in an interesting position being surrogate husband to his mother, Lydia. We're going to get to her, played by Miss Daisy herself, Jessica Tandy. And in a lot of ways, he's a kinder, gentler Norman Bates. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. <laughs> if you go back into Psycho, so let's talk about Norman Bates and Psycho, one of our favorites here on the show. I know you absolutely love that movie. Mm-hmm. Norman has a domineering mother, right? And a, and yep. she's a domineering single mother, too. And there's that lovely shot in Psycho where he's talking to Janet Lee's Marion Crane. And uh, there's a bird. There's bird in, crane, bird imagery. Yep. And he's sitting there. And he's got that big owl behind him, which is symbolizing his mother, what he's doing, you know. Yep. But his mother is very present. And uh, but he's way more adjusted. Oh, yeah. And less murdery. A little less, but but there is but there is a Norman Bates. There is, I mean, you know, the way he calls his mother dear and darling. Yeah. It's a little, and it's and it's that thing weird. where he's 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 filling in the surrogate husband role. There's mm-hmm. nothing weird or salacious about it. It's it it is what it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. and he's in a very bad position. I think mm-hmm. I, I I actually feel for the guy. I do. Too. I, I do. We also have Tippy Hedren. Uh, Tippy Hedren is famous for Marnie. She would do that film with Hitchcock uh, next. That would be his next film and her next film. She was also in Pacific Heights with her daughter, Melanie. She's a former model. This is her first feature film. I think she's very good in this movie. What do you think? I like her. She was kind of confusing at moments for me. I wasn't sure how to read her necessarily. And I was going to ask, did you like her in the beginning? Because I didn't like her at the beginning. I thought she was vacuous. Yeah, she was just a you know little a little stuck up and you know kind of not. I don't know. But I I do think that plays into where one one point I want to make as we get into this later, the ending of this movie. One thing I want to a point I want to make. So we would be remiss if we do not bring this up. There is a huge white elephant in the room. This happened a few years back. Miss Hedron uh, did accuse Alfred Hitchcock of some salacious behavior. Now, I will say this. Uh, listen, I don't know if he did it, if he didn't do it. I don't know because nobody really knows what this. And this was at the height of the uh, hashtag Me Too thing. She was also promoting a biography, autobiography at the time. Again, I'm not saying it did or didn't happen. What I'm saying is no one really knows because the things that she's accusing him of, a lot of people have come out and said it's very out of character for him. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so if it did happen, it's awful, you know, but it's so anyway, but I do need to make you aware that is part of the kind of makeup of this movie. Now people talk about that mm-hmm. and HBO actually did a movie about the two of them. And a lot of people say it was a little heavy handed. So that's there, but talking about the history of it, you have to, you have to you right. know, at least yeah. address it. Um, but anyway, I, I think she's really, really good here too. Yeah. I, I really do. So we're talking about the visual nature of the film. The blocking, if you don't know what blocking is, that's just the position of the actors in a scene. The blocking here is really interesting. Mitch and Melanie have the cage between them right in the, in the, in the first part of the movie where mm-hmm. they meet. There's another visual aid. That's where he puts the characters in the frame. And you can always tell the relationships between the characters by the blocking and the framing. And you'll see it throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. There will be Mitch sitting and his father, his dead father's pictures between him and his mother. His mother will be on the side with the picture looking like a corpse almost. She's sleeping upright. Yeah. Very disconcerting. And anyway, you can always tell and you can tell the warmth or the coolness of the relationship, the temperature in the house by uh, uh, Veronica Cartwright's character, how she's acting in the scene. So really, again, we're not digging too deep. I, I think we're actually not digging deep enough. We're right. giving you just kind of a, a taste of, of what this movie what this movie is. So she goes to the Bodega Bay. We meet Annie Hayworth, played by Suzanne Plachette. That would be the great and lovely Suzanne Plachette, most famous uh, 
for her role as Emily in the Bob Newhart show. She's the former flame of Mitch. And here again, I want to say it again. The title of the film has two meanings. Birds is British slang for women. The bird attacks don't start until these two meet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there you go. (laughs) What did you think of Annie and by extension, Suzanne Plachette, who is, was an absolute doll. Oh, she's, she was gorgeous. And I really wanted more of her. I mean, I know we got some good bits of her, but I feel like she was just such a standout that I wanted more of her presence on screen. Yeah. For sure. It's interesting because she's dark haired Mm -hmm. and she's the rival for his affections. And we all know Hitchcock loved his blondes. Oh, yes. He loved his blondes. (laughs) And there's a real sadness to her. Because especially the fact that she stayed so close to Mitch, even though there's no chance of romance between them. It's sad and also maybe a bit desperate. <laughs> Clingy. Pathetic. Yeah, there is. There is. There's a, a little bit. There's, there, there is that. And I think it's actually what her death symbolizes later. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. So Melanie sneaks over. Uh, to Mitch's house, she sneaks the lovebirds inside. Now she's sneaking lovebirds into Lydia, his mother's nest. All right. The first attack is in the boat. She's in the little boat coming back to the dock, and Mitch is there waiting for her, and there there it goes. The gull comes down and hits her head. Mm -hmm. So there's the first We have two other birds in this movie. We have Lydia, played by Jessica Tandy. You all remember her for Driving Miss Daisy. She won her Academy Award for that. She was also really great in a movie called Fried Green Tomatoes. It's a movie I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Maybe because I'm from the South. I don't know. Maybe so. Uh, She's not domineering, but she's afraid of loneliness and being abandoned. And I just want to reiterate what I said about the blocking. She's how always, if you're watching this, rewatching this, watch how she is placed in relation to the picture of her late husband. That's the key. And at times the husband will be positioned between she and Mitch. That's subliminal. That's telling you that these two are, uh, again, it's not a weird, creepy Oedipus thing. They do bring up Oedipus in the movie though, which is really interesting. We'll get that in just a second. Uh, I don't think it's anything weird, you know, weird, right. not like with Norman and mother, yeah. you know, but, um, no, no, but he's filling in that role right. of the strong guy. Exactly. And, and again, you see it in the, in the way that they're positioned the picture. What did you think of, uh, Jessica Tandy as Lydia, Jessica Tandy? I, I, I love Jessica Tandy. I know. No, uh, I really, I really enjoyed her, her, uh, her performance. And again, all of these people in this movie have a really good presence yeah. in this movie. They're all very... I don't know. I feel like they did a really good job casting these people. And it's the right people. I he always like. cast well. Yeah. And I feel like you could just feel them off the screen. Her especially. I feel like you can feel the things she's feeling. And that was an old pro. I really, I really liked her. She was an old pro. She had that. Yeah. The screen presence. You're she's she. She had nice dominates. Eyes. She dominate literally dominates the screen. Anytime mm-hmm. she's on it. She you're, you're going and it's how he's positioning mm-hmm. her a lot of times, but it's also her. Yeah. And she reminded me so much of my grandmother, like at that that age. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was. I was like, oh wow, there she is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but uh, she's really, really good, isn't she? She is. And again, like I said, with her eyes, I feel like she was really good with with playing it through her eyes. I feel like I was yeah. I, I was watching her eyes most of the time. I, th- I feel like she's yeah, she's really great. We uh we have another great one. Uh the other bird here that we're going to talk about is Kathy, not Alice. It's Kathy, played by Veronica Cartwright. Veronica Cartwright. She's familiar. She was in Alien and in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. She also appeared in The Witches of Eastwick. That's another fun movie. I absolutely love Veronica Cartwright. I've really come to love Veronica Cartwright. Just not her hairstyle so much in movies. <laughs> yeah, Faith Sorry. Faith had a problem with her bangs in this movie. And I think we all have a problem with her haircut in <laughs> Alien. I mean, so, how could you not? We were talking about Lydia and how Mitch is functioning as a surrogate husband to Lydia. Well, he's functioning as, uh, she functions as both Mitch's sister and then also as his daughter in a lot of ways, too, because there's that big age difference. Mm-hmm. And she, unlike her mother Lydia, welcomes... Melanie immediately 
into the family, immediately into the family. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I do. I, I love Veronica Cartwright. I really it, loved her here. It was funny because I watch Alfred Hitchcock presents uh, every day. I, I record it at, in the evenings. I'm sleeping when, <laughs> when it comes on. It comes on very late. But uh, I watch it every uh, every day, and she was in one of the episodes after watching. She's cute as a button, <laughs> cute as a button, and still to this day, uh, the her death scene in Alien is absolutely abhorrent. Oh, I know, it's freakishly scary. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we have all this in place. Mm-hmm. All right, here's here's my thought. See if you agree with me on this. Every single bird attack is an extension of a female being threatened by Melanie's presence in both the family unit and the town of Bodega Bay. Boom. (laughs) Pretty right on, right? Pretty right on, yeah. Okay, so if you're watching this at face value, what happens is you have this movie where uh, she's trying to get in with the guy and blah, blah, blah. We've all seen that movie. That's a, that's an old romantic comedy, right? And then, boom, like from dusk till dawn, <laughs> at about the hour mark, it turns into a completely different movie that yep. you don't see coming. Mm-hmm. And you really don't. If you're watching this for the first time, you're not expecting this. Boom, there it happens. So without rhyme or reason or provocation, these things happen. But are they really? Really? No, I think there <laughs> is. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through all of the bird attacks in the movie. We'll tell you what we think of them. We'll also tell you what is happening under the surface. And this is going to lead into the ending of this movie where, oh, there's no resolution. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. So the bird attacks, uh, I think this is all of them. So we have Melanie getting attacked in the dinghy. I just really wanted to say dinghy. (laughs) Go ahead, Faith. Say dinghy. Dinghy. It's freeing, isn't it? It's beautiful. All of you out there listening to this show right now on three, we'll do it with you. One, two, three. Dingy. Dingy. There you go. (laughs) Melanie getting attacked in the dinghy on the bay. This is after going to the house to sneak the birds in as she's approaching Mitch. That one is, it's it's a little odd. You know, they even comment that it's a little odd. Goals don't do Uh, that. Yeah, they don't attack people. Goals don't do that. Then the seagull hits Annie's door. This is after Melanie has accepted the invitation to Kathy's birthday party. Annie feels threatened by her. There's also a picture on the wall. Visual filmmaking. Visual filmmaking at its finest. Mm -hmm. There's a picture on her wall that looks like a cracked window. Remember, Melanie cracked a window off screen before this movie started. Cracked window. Now this goal comes in. Annie, and that scene is really beautiful because she's sitting there, and what you're seeing is in the foreground, you're seeing Suzanne Plachette sitting there smoking a cigarette and close up in the foreground. And in the background, you see Tippy Hedren on the phone and accepting the invitation. And it all plays out on Suzanne Plachette's face. That's what you're supposed to be watching in that scene. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The dialogue does not matter. It's her reaction to what's going on, and then boom, that, that bird hits. There's no supernatural power here. This is a commentary on the emotions that are happening in this. Okay. Then we have the party. The children are attacked while playing. This is after Melanie tells Mitch her mother abandoned her. And also this attack is an extension of both Annie and Lydia feeling threatened by Melanie's presence. So she's come in and she's kind of turning all this upside down. And the goals come down. The children are playing. They start attacking. And he shows you that shot of Lydia in particular. She comes out and she looks and she sees them talking. You know, this, she, she faith uh-huh. nodding. She knows the shot. And you're on that and you see Annie looking over her shoulder at them. Everybody knows something's up. Yep. Everybody knows yep. something's up. What did you think about that scene? That was, that was, uh, I like that scene. It's kind of a, it's kind of a foreshadowing of what we're going to see later uh-huh. at the, at the school, <laughs> exactly. right? Yes. School. Okay, so then we have the fireplace. This is uh, the sparrows just come charging down this fireplace. This is after Lydia feels threatened because Melanie is encroaching on her nest. Melanie has said, yes, it's late. I will stay here. Oh, dear. What do you think they're going to do during the night? (laughs) What do you think they might do during the night? Two attractive people. Probably play chess or something. Probably play chess, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you got a guy named Rod. You got a guy named Rod. What do you think Rod's going to do, right? Right. Okay, so then we have Lydia discovers the neighbor's bike. Now, there's no attack here. We don't see this attack, right? But 
What is it that's so so absolutely terrifying about that body, Faith? What did they do to that body? It didn't have any eyeballs. They packed its eyeballs out, right? <laughs> so you could kind of almost make the jump that it, he was hen-packed to death. <laughs> What's Lydia doing to her son? She's peck, 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 yep. pecking at him. What do you think she did to her husband? Peck, 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 peck. <laughs> Let's go one further. They mentioned Oedipus, right? Mm-hmm. What did Oedipus do? Oedipus burned his eyes out mm-hmm. after he discovered... He had been sleeping with his mother. So that relationship is breaking apart. There's so much beautiful symbolism in this movie. And it's not, I love it because it's not layered. It's not hard to decode. It's just, it's it's, it's all there. It's, it's all there on the screen. Uh, So that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I thought Jessica Tandy played that just absolutely perfect. It was, it was a slow pitch right down the middle for, and when she's running down that hallway after seeing that body, and by the way, whoever did the makeup with the with the eyes, it was oh, God, really no. brilliantly done. And uh, the way that she runs out and just her whole reaction to it, it, it didn't feel, it felt very flustered and it felt very real. It didn't feel campy or over the top. She played it just completely perfectly. <laughs> do you do you want to know what my crazy self yes, was thinking I do. the whole time during that scene? Yes. She left her purse in the hall. She needs to go back and She needs to go back and get her purse. purse. I noticed that she dropped the purse. Go back and get it. (laughs) Yes. So after that, we have one of the most famous uh, scenes in the movie and one of the most famous scenes really in film history. This is the attack on the school. So Melanie goes over to get Kathy out of school because this this they know something's going on. Something weird. So many windows at the school. So many windows, yes. Uh, Melanie is on Annie's turf here and so, I don't know. This might be digging a little deep here. I, I don't know. But the attack on the kids is really Annie's anger directed at them. Because at this point, I think everybody knows she's not going to get Mitch. Mitch Mitch is with, because Mitch knows what he wants here. So, here's, mm-hmm. here's this woman that's encroaching on her turf. And she's not going to be having children with him. And the interloper has come into her place. And it's like the anger is being taken out on the children. That's my read on that i could i could buy that i'm sure there i'm sure there's a, a another better read on it but that's the way the way that i'm reading the movie mm-hmm. leads me to that to that read of the scene i could go there so uh now then we have another which is one of the most famous scenes in film history that we have the attack on the town the women blame Melanie. The women of Bodega Bay blame Melanie for what's happening, and this is because she's now with Mitch, and there's no men when they come in. And you all, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. They come in, they're all in that hallway. There's these angry, angry women staring at them yep. with nary a man to be found. So... Um, what did you think about that attack? Because in the famous shot, there is her in the uh, phone, phone booth. booth yeah. The the you could say Ron Burgundy style, the glass cage of emotion. <laughs> one could say, I absolutely love that scene because it's like it goes from just bad to worse to <laughs> <Right>? to worser. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. It's a. It's. It's terrifying. And that one is the worst because now you have again going back to these women these women and i'm not saying these are, are man hungry women what mm-hmm. i'm saying is a here's a good dude who's now off the market and that to me because they are established at that point as the couple the lovebirds of mm-hmm. the movie you if go. you will and um yeah and the anger then flows from that and yep. it just I love just the the narrative structure of that scene, the way it starts off and then it builds, and then you have fire, Nicolas Cage style, because <laughs> in Nicolas Cage movie, everything's going to be on fire. Exactly. And it just, it, 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 I, I, it, the tension in the in the horrificness of it, it just, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's so well done. It's why it's I mean, a horror obviously. movie. So. Uh, we have another death that happens off screen. Annie dies. Annie's pecked to death, uh, protecting uh, uh, Kathy. And I think that's a symbolic suicide in a lot of ways. Tragic. Mm-hmm. You know, she had no future. Yeah. You know, And really her emotions, I think, then, you know, if, if you're reading it as the birds are the female power. Yep. You know. Yeah. So uh, let's see. I just dropped my notes. <laughs> so, Faith, what's the next one? 
The next one is the final attack in the bedroom on Melanie that traumatizes her. Yes, yes. So we talked about her being, uh, she's a little flighty at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And this- Kind of a liar. Kind of a liar, yeah. And this one feels like, to me, if the way I'm reading it is, her attacking herself. It's like the old way of life dying Uh because now she's accepting the role into the family. Uh That's how I'm reading it. Again, some have said it's a symbolic rape. I don't, I don't see it because it's in a bedroom. No, no, no. It, this is the, the role accepting a bigger role Uh in the, in the family. And she does have it in her because she does talk about the charity work that she does. She's not a complete, you know, bag of air, (laughs) Right. you know, right. She uh, has her two days a week where she's I, I asked, yeah, her two days a week. That, that's all that. I asked earlier if you liked her in the beginning of the movie, and I didn't like her very much. Beginning. Did you like her more as this movie oh, went yeah. on? I did yeah. too. Again, because at the beginning. It, the character, not not her performance, just yeah, the, the character. character yeah. Like I said, kind of in the beginning, she feels like this liar, and you know she's yeah. making up all these stories and it's kind of just like, okay, just just be truthful. Be honest. It's kind of annoying, you know? Yeah. But as the movie goes on, you, uh, yeah, I really did. I liked her bringing the tea to, to Lydia and stuff. I feel, like that, I feel like that was somewhat sincere. I don't know. I, I did I, like I her. do think she was sincere. I think so. Throughout the movie. And Lydia and Melanie bond, mm-hmm. which, which is what this movie really, then that last shot, again, mm-hmm. visually, no words. She's in the back of the car mm-hmm. and they embrace hands and, and Lydia gives her a motherly look and she's without a Melanie's without a mother and here's, and I want to go back to the beginning what she's doing in the bird shop at the beginning is buying a minor bird for an aunt. You know, it, it's, she doesn't even know where her mother is. This, right. is. this bird doesn't have a nest. Right. Yeah. And here you go. Lydia accepts her and when she accepts her those bird attacks to just watch them go off they're they've overtaken the old nest they're going to make a new nest and it's really again there is resolution there's emotional resolution in this movie exactly it doesn't matter why the birds are we well we just went through we know why the birds are attacking on that deeper emotional Uh level if you're watching the movie for the bird attacks, that's not what the movie is about. Right. They're, they're like a Greek chorus. They're a commentary on <laughs> what's happening in the film. Exactly. So Exactly. Which it makes the movie, I don't know, just so much more interesting and Yeah. You know, like so there's yeah. there's depth to it. And it's yeah. not just here's horror and and violence just you know, to show it. It's so it's so well done. I, I found this quote from film historian Andrew Saras. This is from nineteen ninety eight. I'd like to read it. The theme of the film, after all, is complacency, as the director has stated on innumerable occasions. When we first meet each of the major characters, their infinite capacity of self-absorption is emphasized. Tippi Hedren's bored socialite is addicted to elaborately time-consuming practical jokes. Rod Taylor's self-righteous lawyer flaunts his arrogant sensuality. Suzanne Plachette, his ex-fiancee, wallows in self-pity. And Jessica Tandy, his possessive mother, cringes from her fear of loneliness. With such complex, unsympathetic characters to contend with, the audience begins to identify with the point of view of the birds, actually the inhuman point of view. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah. I'll buy that. Sure. Uh, he did not mention the character of Kathy, though. And Kathy mm-hmm. is very happy being part of the new family unit. And her lovebirds are the only birds in the movie that do not act up. Why? Because the lovebirds are, are a pair. So my question is, as we were just going through this, do you think that this movie is an endorsement of the nuclear family unit? I think I mean, it might be. I could go there, yeah. Because it's very, it's uh, it's not balanced at right. the beginning of the movie. Right. Norman Bates and Psycho, it's, it's, un, it's unbalanced. That's what happens when it's unbalanced. Yep. So I do think that this is an endorsement of... A, a complete whole mm-hmm. unit. I really do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because the it the madness stops when the family unit is correctly kind of formed. You know, right in the worldview of this film. Yeah, so pretty interesting stuff, right? It really Just is. Just a movie about birds attacking people, though, right? <laughs> no, no. There's a nah. lot going on here. <laughs> a lot going on. 
Um, one of the things that is not going on in the movie is music. Uh, Hitch famously used sound design. No music in this, not even over the opening titles. What did you think about the lack of music in this? I preferred it. I think it makes it so much more, what's the word I'm looking for? More, I don't know. I feel like you're you're kind of more involved in it without the music being yeah. there for some reason. I don't know. I wasn't noticing it so much when I was watching the movie. It was after it was over and I started thinking about it mm-hmm. because, and I'll tell you where I think it's really effective. I, you don't miss it during the emotional scenes right. I, and because there's such a, a wonderful sound design with the bay and and, and the you know the water mm-hmm. it's kind of you can hear that in the back and you can in the, the birds sounds well, are there. Say, i don't know what kind of music you'd put to those bird compared to those bird sounds because that is just right <laughs> you know, what i enough. love about it though is the attack on the school in in particular there's no score there and so you're not being told how you should feel about what's happening on the screen so you're not really sure how you're supposed to feel about it. And this movie does have a lot of ambiguity to it. And it did confuse people when it first came out. And uh, I can see why it would confuse audiences. Yeah. I'm not saying audiences in the past were <laughs> dumber than today. I actually think it's flipped. <laughs> but nah. but uh, no, I can see why it might confuse some people. Yeah, I could see Especially that. Especially coming off of Psycho. Yeah. You know, so it is yeah. something he did this. This was back to back with Psycho. It is like, I mean, two masterpieces back to back like that coming off of uh, North by Northwest and Vertigo. And I mean, that run, that run is an incredible. There's a reason he's one of the best. There is. There is indeed. (laughs) Shameless plug. We have covered uh, two Hitchcock movies. Uh, We did Rear Window with Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly and the late, great Raymond Burr, who famously played Perry Mason on television. And we also did Psycho with, uh, of course, Anthony Perkins and Janet Lee and Vera Miles and that whole wonderful cast. And, we, I mean, I don't know what you can really say about his movies you right. know, that hasn't been said already. I mean, there are college courses that are taught on his, <laughs> you know, that are not film school, you know, courses right. you know that are right. taught on on his on his movies and uh, if you get the opportunity uh me tv shows them uh at night late night and they come on after the twilight zone uh, the alfred hitchcock presents comes on those are definitely worth a watch they're a whole lot of fun and uh they're also i believe on the roku channel so there's plenty of places to watch watch that show and that's a fun show to watch because he hosts it Mm. and you never know who's going to pop up on the show i saw burt reynolds in one recently you know i've seen uh, robert redford was in one so you never know who you're going to see you know Mm -hmm. who is young and first starting out at that time let's uh i do want to ask this about hitchcock i was thinking about it uh thinking about the show and I was watching the trailer for like the birds and like the trailer for psycho and he would be in the trailer, you know, selling the movie to mm-hmm. the audience. Has there, has there been a, a director as much of like a star you know, as he was? Because he's so recognizable and not a lot are, that's, that's you know, a good question, that yeah. have that, that personality, you know I mean? I'm talking like that, that mass appeal. Right. Well, yeah. Cause you had. know, people throw names around all the time with, with filmmakers, but that's true. I mean, I feel like he does have this. There's a pop culture, a pop culture yeah. thing to him. Yeah. yeah, he's got this fame that's kind of very different than yeah. than most. And there, there's there's really there's nobody like him. Yeah, and, and I mean, and you literally know who he is in in uh, character. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> Which, by the way, I did learn he drew that. That's he, okay. he drew the the character, the famous character of him. So yeah. Um, I don't know if there's ever been a director like that that's a superstar. Like that's you it. Know. People, people say names all the time. You know, and yeah. you, you know people, but it's like... I know, like, for my generation, you know, uh, growing up in the 90s, coming of age, I should say, in the 90s, like, you know, we had Quentin. Mm-hmm. And Quentin was, was pretty, you know, present. Right. You know, and, pop, and still is to a degree. Not like Alfred Hitchcock, you know, having a TV show every week, you know, right. and people knowing who he, who he was. So kind of kind of interesting. Um yeah. 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 Very he's cool. Just, he's 
Very cool movie, huh? Very cool movie. Very cool movie. And like favorites. I said, not to not to not to rain on the parade. Uh, you know, there is there there is the thing that Tippy Hedren said. So do your own research into that. We're not going to tell you yes or no, but my my view is it does seem very out of character for him. You know, that's all I'm going to say. But oh, yeah, I mean that that's that's all we'll say. But again, it's 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 awful that you have to talk about that stuff. You know, anyway, if it happened, right. you know, and it's awful that you have to talk about them in the history within the context of this, because this is such a fun movie to talk about, you know, and, and to, it, that seems like a real kind of dour, you know, <laughs> right. but to do it justice in the history behind the movie, you do have to talk about it, unfortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately. so, but hey. We don't let it put a damper on the whole. No, this is a wonderful. <laughs> it's a wonderful, wonderful film. Very timeless feeling too. Very yes. timeless feeling. I want to make one more point before we take a, a, a break. The color scheme in the movie too is very interesting, mm-hmm. and uh, the color green really pops out. The lovebirds are green. Yep. Melanie wears green throughout the oh. movie, and Rod Taylor also wears green. He has uh, green pants on, so they yeah. kind of match. Don't for they? some reason her red fingernails kept popping out at me too. Well, the lovebirds do have that little bit uh-huh. of red on them. And there's a great and, shot. And blood. Yes. There's there's the great shot of the two lovebirds in their cage when yes. she's in her car going to Bodega Bay. And it's so funny. They move in tandem. Mm-hmm. And it's really lovely and symbolic and funny. Yes. And, and funny because they're so fake. Then it made me think, too. He really likes blondes in cars, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. Check out To Catch a Thief with Grace Kelly and Cary Grant. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, he, he, he does like a blonde. All right. In a car. In a car. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. I can't say that I blame him. Right? I can't say that I blame him. He had some good ones, too. I mean, he had Grace Kelly and he had uh, Janet Lee and, and he had Tippi Hedren. I mean, you could do a whole lot worse. For real. Do a whole lot worse. Um. To answer our question from earlier, we still do not know where Melanie Griffith is. If anyone out there does know where Melanie Griffith is, please let us know at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. I just, I haven't seen her in forever. Like, I feel like I haven't seen her in forever. And she's in one of my favorite movies, two, two movies I really, really like uh, Working Girl, which she's really great in. And she's great in that with our favorite, Sigourney Weaver. And. One of our other old favorites here, Harrison Ford, is in that movie. It's really great. There was your mom, the one in that uh, that thing with the with the with the birds, and you know the one. Uh, he's he's really great in that movie, and she's also in Pacific Heights with Matthew Modine and Michael Keaton, where Michael Keaton comes in and turns uh, Matthew Modine and Melanie Griffith's life upside down. That is a wonderful, almost kind of Hitchcockian film. And it's, it's, it's definitely, we need to do that one on the show. I just watched that one actually for the first time, like a month or so really ago. Great, really great, really great movie. Good. Right. And, and, uh, Keaton was doing that one after Batman. It was one of his follow-ups uh-huh. to Batman. And, uh, I remember as a kid seeing Pacific Heights, you know, in, in kind of coming off of Batman, Batmania. And I'd always like Keaton and seeing him in that really changed my opinion. I was like, Oh, this dude's like a really good actor mm. and, and scary. <laughs> <laughs> really scary. We need, to, we need to do that one on the show. Yeah. That one also takes place in San Francisco, so mm-hmm. northern Northern California. And Tippy's in the movie, so it's really cool. But uh, Bodega Bay is indeed where Creature Features happens, so you need to check out Creature Features. You can get that app on the Roku. We get no money off of this. <laughs> so check them out, and also check out the original Bob Wilkins shows available on OSI 74. OSI 74 is a whole lot of fun, isn't it? Oh, yes. It's another great app you can get on your Roku. You can also watch them online. So do you have anything else before we take a very short break here that you would like to add about the birds or Hitchcock? Anything about this movie? I think that's it for now. It's really, really wonderful. Uh, We are going to be scoring this film tonight, although I think I know... I know I how, you know, how yeah. we're both scoring it. So zero. I'm just it's awful. It's just that bad. So we're gonna take a short break. This is a news break, so make sure to stay tuned for all of the fake news not fit to print. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side. Bridges, Paul? Yeah, yeah, Nash Bridges, good, yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, I think it's a great program. You know, it's got the guy from Miami Vice there. You got your uh, Doug Johnson there on it? Uh, that's, that's Don Johnson, yeah. Yeah, Don. yeah whatever. Anyway, he's good. And, and you know who else they got now apparently is Cheech from Cheech and Chong. He's on the show as well. Oh, yeah, Cheech, yeah. 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 He plays a sidekick. And you know, I was thinking about this this afternoon, Bob. That, that seems kind of silly to me, you know, when you think about it. You're making your serious crime drama. You know, you don't want to cast Cheech. That seems, you know, you know who they should have got for that role, don't you, Bob? Uh, who, who's that? Well, they should have got Chong. Oscar-winning actress and founder of the Goop website, recently said in an interview that she ate bread and drank alcohol seven nights a week to cope during the 2020 quarantine. I drink every time Gwyneth opens her mouth. Dan, shall we? We shall. Here's to swimming with bow-legged women. That's better. Yes, it is. Robert England, a longtime favorite of ours here on the Late Night Fright, recently appeared on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast, Inside of You. In the excellent exchange between the two actors, England reflects on Freddy Krueger, his career, and whatever else pops into his head. This journalist walked away from it going, wow, that guy can really talk. And we love him for it. I would just like it to be noted that Gwyneth Paltrow's website, Goop, rhymes with poop coincidence? I think not. What's worse? Gwyneth's saying she drank a lot even though she has millions in the bank and is in no danger of losing her home or livelihood like so many people did throughout the world or billionaire Oprah Winfrey agreeing with Prince Harry and that wife person of his that life is hard. You be the judge. Finally, the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff, utilizing a $2 trillion grant from the United States government, has determined that two wrongs do not make a right, but three lefts do. There's your tax dollars at work. And that is the news. Stay tuned for our final scores and a preview of next week's show. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we are going to finish off our discussion of Alfred Hitchcock's 1963 masterpiece. I think we can call it a masterpiece, huh? I think we can. Masterpiece, The Birds. Uh, In lieu of stars, we did not talk about this. We are going to be awarding the film Rotund Directors. There you go. (laughs) Faith, how many rotund directors did you award the birds? I have a feeling I know the answer to this. It's a four. Four rotund directors. I also gave it four rotund directors. It is one of the finest motion pictures I believe ever made. What I like about it, too, is the fact that you can do the deep dive on it and it, the symbolism is all there. It all works. The deeper levels are working. And it's not like in your face and pompous or pretentious. No, right. it's, and it's and on top of that, it's really entertaining to watch. It really is. It really does pull you in. It really does. Even though uh, this is a, uh, what is a 60-year-old movie now at this point, even though some of the special effects are a little iffy at times, and it ne- it, in no way did it detract Mm-mm. from my enjoyment of the film. No. So... Uh, nice time capsule, though, in, in oh, some yeah. respects. But uh, really just, just a classic piece of cinema and just really 
Well done. And at the end of the day, that's why we watch movies for that visual story, because that's what movies do that no other medium can do. I was going to say, this is a movie you have to actually watch. Yeah. yeah, It's not one that you can just put on and kind of listen to in the background, just kind of have one that kind of get back into it. No, you need to see it. This movie... I, again, like I said, this is what movies can do. This this level of sophistication and visual storytelling this is the only medium that can do this. As we said, it's not Dragnet. It's not dialogue. <laughs> I mean, it, now, if you miss dialogue in Dragnet, you're going to miss the story. Right. Now, you really all should be watching Dragnet. <laughs> I, I, just, I just want you all to know that you all should be watching Dragnet. It comes on. You have plenty of opportunity <laughs> to watch Dragnet. You should do that. I've, I've always had this love for Joe Friday. I'm just really sad that Alfred Hitchcock didn't make a Dragnet movie. That's <laughs> We're going to have the policeman solve the crime, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing. That was a, was a great, great movie. We have another really good movie coming up for you next week. It is a sci-fi horror mystery Elements of comedy, teen <laughs> angst. Uh, I think you have a really good uh, take on it. It's uh, John Carpenter's. It's John Carpenter's The Breakfast Club thing. <laughs> that's that's what it is. It's 1998's Robert Rodriguez directed The Faculty from a script by Kevin Williamson. It is a really fun sci-fi alien invasion movie that really harkens back to the 50s with a nice kind of 90s early aughts take spin on it if you will uh i'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into that one. i am too it's got a, it's got a really wonderful cast and mm-hmm. uh both uh the youngsters at the time and the more established stars of the time as yep. well so that is the movie for next week the faculty from robert rodriguez and uh, uh screenwriter kevin williamson so should be a lot of fun check it out mm-hmm. and uh we'd like to thank all of you for tuning in, letting us drone on in your ears for about an hour or so. We, we love doing this show. We love having you come and visit us. The numbers have been great, and we've been listened to in a lot of countries, and it really means a lot I to know. so many people we are should, we checking should out the show. We should say hello to some of those countries we should, that are checking We would us like out. to say hello not only to our, our listeners here in America, but in Canada. Taiwan. Taiwan. Peru. Norway. Norway. Australia, all around the world, but we were on the charts in those places. So cool. And uh, we'd like to thank all of you out there. We hope that you are staying happy, healthy, sane, and safe. These are strange times we find ourselves living in indeed. Uh, We only have each other, and always remember, there are more of us than there are of them. Stay safe out there. Take your vitamins. You can reach us at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from each and every one of you. If you'd like to tell us, hello, you're doing a great job. If you'd like to tell us, hey, you suck. You're terrible. <laughs> well, we're keep not, your opinions to yourself. We're not going to argue with you on that, but <laughs> keep your opinions to yourself. No, no, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what your favorite movie is. Tell us if there's a movie that you would like for us to do here on the show. We'd be more than happy to do that. And uh, drop us a line. Let us know. Uh, let us know what's going on. Let us know what's going on in your corner of the world. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here in just a second. But uh, in the words of the late great Don Cornelius, who hosted Soul Train, I'm stealing this from him. Be good to yourself and to your neighbor, because we're all in this together. And there are more of us than there are of them. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Faith feels like it's that time. It doesn't? does. Let's see. Are we going one, two, three? Snap. Like we always do. Like yeah. we always do. We have trouble with this sometimes, though. We have trouble <laughs> with it. And we need a good, hearty snap. Let's get it going. Are you ready? Let's see. I'm going to do a practice snap. There we go. You got it? All right. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. It was magic. Magic fingers. Not editing. Not <laughs> editing. I want not that. at all. I want that. I want everybody to know it's not editing. Mm-mm. Thank you all again for tuning in. Thank you for your continued support. Talking about movies is fun. It's even more fun to talk about them with a friend. Call up a friend, watch a movie, talk about it. You never know where, where that night might lead. You never know. The discussion know. you might get into. <laughs> Take us home, Faith. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you a vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep, keep your, your monster, monster on, on a leash. leash. We'll see you on the other side.